You're listening to the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. Tune in each week to learn how we can all make inclusive marketing the industry standard. Welcome and welcome back to the Marketing Made Inclusive podcast. I am your host, Joanne Boyce, and today we are joined by our amazing team member, Jade. Hi, Jade. Hello. Um, This episode is actually Jade's idea, and it's a thing that we talk about internally, but I always forget to do an episode on it, and Jade's like, when are we going to do it? When are we going to do one? When are we going (laughs) to? Because we spent a lot of time talking about it. So introduce today's episode and topic, and then we'll dive right in. Okay, so today we're talking all about inclusive language which like you said is something we talk a lot about because language is everywhere it's mm-hmm. really important so do you want me to go in with like a definition yes for anyone who doesn't know because we talk a lot about inclusive marketing and if you don't know what inclusive marketing is we do have some early episodes that you can go check out but specifically focusing on inclusive language what is it so according to hubspot Inclusive language is the words and phrases you use to avoid biases, slang, and expressions that discriminate against groups of people based on race, gender, socioeconomic status, and ability. When used, you can resonate with more audiences by speaking and writing in ways that everyone understands and makes everyone feel welcome. I love a good HubSpot quote because you know HubSpot's going to angle everything in a marketing sense. And... When it comes to inclusive language, a lot of the conversation around it online is around either gender or LGBT. But Hustle has listed a few things in there that you have to consider. Like, I know when I think about it outside of my work and outside of marketing, I hear a lot of people talking about pronouns and, you know, changing the words of things. But mm-hmm. in a marketing context, it just makes sense. I think that's my, yeah. <laughs> that's my debate for everything. It just makes sense because HubSpot, what did they list again? They listed race, gender. Race, yes. Socioeconomic status and ability. So you're tapping to new audiences with the words that you use. Yeah. I think that's like when thinking about marketing and trying to reach new audiences it did bring to mind i don't know if you remember this one jade when um spotify they did their spotify year wrap up it was a few years back and one thing that the hubspot quote does not mention is like generation Mm. and the differences in ages now online there was a kind of situation with the spotify rap because they were using what everyone was saying was gen z slang so back then it was like slay i can't even remember was it was lit around then i don't know yeah slay lit honey bay bay what they were just using words that was popular at the time with gen z however the internet came quickly and corrected them and said, actually, you're using AAVE, American African Vernacular, which is mm. African-American, African-American slang words. Yeah. 
And then those individuals who were advocating for that were also then corrected and said, actually, the words that you're using come from black gay culture in America. And it was just so fascinating to see how this trickled down and like words as specifically slay that is gay culture and it came from them, but it got so popularized. And then when a brand used it and it was just like, actually, is this, are you even supporting anyone? Like, why are you using these words? Yeah. Have you seen yeah. any cases or any situations where a brand has used language and you're just like, no, they should not? Oh, probably. I don't think I can remember specifically. I feel like a lot of makeup brands use that kind of language, but for some reason it fits. I feel like a lot of the the thing with language as well is it just gets like indul. Oh, I don't remember how you pronounce that word. Indoctrinated. That's the one. <laughs> and so you can never pinpoint where it comes from. Um, and so it just kind of becomes quote unquote normal. Um, mm. And so actually that's one of the things researching like the amount of words I would never have known weren't inclusive or were like exclusive I suppose and that's another layer of it because internally we have our own inclusive language dictionary and the rabbit holes you can go on with some of these words it is a lot. So the inclusive language dictionary started when I was consulting with clients and there was a lot of things where I was just like oh this is a common thing that I thought everyone knew. Like, I, I feel like by now, everyone knows when you're doing LGBT, QIA+, whichever version of LGBT+, you capitalize all the letters. But that's a, mm -hmm. where, where is an acronym? So where, where to capitalize it? Yeah. But capitalizing it is also inclusive because it's saying that each letter means something, which it does. Yeah. And I was surprised when I was working with clients that they weren't aware about capitalizing the B in black when referring to black people. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's when I see a lot. It's, it happens a lot because people use lowercase B and that's referring to like the color, but capital case B is referring to the people. Um, and that was one of the first things I ever put in dictionary when we started. And as we've been building it out, we've gone down some, ton of rabbit holes and words that we just thought oh this is just a word that means this but you pick up the history of it and it has a whole other meaning what not i don't even know if i can frame it as one of your phase but one was what was the one that was either really surprising or a word that you just was new to you so a lot of the ones that really shocked me are words that are used in our everyday language, we use them all the time. Little did we know it has this like extensive history to it. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time this happened, it was with mumbo jumbo, which sounds like, I mean, the point of mumbo jumbo, I think it sounds like it's a made up word, which is what we use it for. We use it to refer to something fake, something made up, something silly. Mm -hmm. And actually it has this religious history to it it was used I want to say an African tribe but I cannot remember this was a long time ago I figured this out so I can't remember the exact details but I'll there will be details in the show notes I'm sure um and it was a I'm pretty sure it's a man and he would go around it was a religious 
um what's the word like festival kind of thing it was a religious mm-hmm. practice mm-hmm. and this man would be called mumbo jumbo but of course westerners went over there and we're like what is what is going on this all sounds like made up this is all like a load of malarkey and so took that word and then used it to mean like made up strange silly because it, that's what it sounded like to them and they thought this like practice was like strange and silly so they took that word and then morphed it into that meaning so when you think about that that's so horrible it's so like erasing a whole culture religious practice just there's so many elements of it and the whole fact that it becomes popularized that our generations our our time period is not even aware of the impact the commonplace use of the word is and then imagine a brand using that and advertising and not aware of the impact it has to a particular religious group yeah it just doesn't position them in the right place no no it just it makes it I've never used that word again like it just changes you when you realize these things we have so many words like that in the dictionary. I remember <laughs> the two that I actively try to, so there's there's two elements to this conversation. There's words that you want to remove from your day-to-day language. And then there's words that are day-to-day in marketing. And mm-hmm. one of the words that crosses both elements for me is the word crazy. Yeah. I don't think I see it as much anymore, but I remember growing up, you'd see like, oh, this is a crazy deal or crazy something. Just describing something big or something exciting, they would use the word crazy. And then growing up in my own like life, I would describe people in that way or describe myself in that way or just describe things using that word. Mm -hmm. And then we dived into the research of it for the Inclusive Language Dictionary. And I'm just like, that is not what I mean. The actual meaning yeah. of the word is not what I mean. The actual, what the people are trying to get across when they use it in describing those those deals or discounts is not what they mean. So I know for me, I still, I still slip up. I still say or describe something, but I'll catch myself. And my go-to replacement word now is like chaotic. Cause that's, yeah. that's what, like I'm trying to improve my language by thinking of what do I actually mean when I'm saying this um and then in terms of marketing I think it's it's such an easy word to rely on that I just don't it I feel has like, that, like clickbait element to it mm-hmm. and it's just and if anyone's wondering why um crazy is not an appropriate term is because it comes from like mental health and describing individuals and the word caused a lot of harm over history like people who were described in that way were condemned put in institutes there's a whole range of things attached to it so the historical attachment to the word is just not the one um and another word that i did relate to but i didn't realize why kind of with that historical attachment as well was um hysterical mm. it's not a word i've seen in marketing it's not that i've come across in any ads but it's a word that always i just hated it i just i didn't know why i hated it i just hated the word yeah. hysterical 
like no matter how it was used, I just had it, and I was like, oh yeah, this is this is gender linked. This yeah. is as someone who did a literature degree, that we there was a lot of like reading about older texts and researching, like because gender was something that come up again and again in literature, it's a really easy go-to. And the amount of times women were labeled as hysterical and like what they really meant by that, it just like grinds my gears to even think about it. Yeah, I think it came up in psychology as well. Like, yeah, there's so many layers, but it's so funny that my lived experience made me dislike a word when I didn't understand why. And mm. now I understand it. I'm just like, wow, there's so much in our culture that shapes the way words are used. I remember a word we discuss um, often and we're still kind of exploring is the word master. Mm, yeah yeah <laughs> I feel like every time I research it there's like always new compelling arguments from like all directions so give us a breakdown on the general discussion on master before we dive into our debates with it so master I mean it has slavery connotations because a master would be its ownership right it's like owning something but it's used so often in our, like, just a master bed. So that's, like, I think, like, the man of the house, the main bed. Mm -hmm. um, it's used all the time for little things like that these days. And it's so embedded into so many layers. Like, I know within the tech community, they had a switch from using, like, master branch or master copy to main or parent. And mm. there was a lot of debate around there. And even, even in describing it as well, there's two elements. There's the race element, but there's also the gender element as well. That the main thing or the head of the household is male. So yeah, like there's so many layers within the word master itself, because even when you think about like master bedroom, it implies that the head of the household is there and then the head of the household yeah. is male. So yeah. That's one side, there's historical elements. And I have been challenged a lot whenever I raise that word with clients or raise that word with people who want to label things like masterclass. And the, the, the ongoing debate is, can something be a master if there is not a slave attached to it? So if you're calling mm -hmm. something masterclass, you are then implying that the other classes are quote unquote, unfortunately, slave classes that like, but there are there's a separate history to the word in relation to the translation of cultures when someone is called like the most knowledgeable person yes and it's like you know a pr the apprentice learns from the master yeah they are a master of their craft mm-hmm and that context is interesting and I think this is where inclusive language gets really, not necessarily tricky, but detailed and nuanced, where I think within countries where there is that element of like a long history of training the craft years and years, and I'm thinking mainly um, Eastern Asian countries, the word translated to English may not have any connotations or any links. Yeah, yeah. But when you're within a society where that is literally the backbone of where the society, you know, 
gain this wealth and so forth, there are direct links. So as a marketeer, you have to start thinking specifically about what locations are you targeting with, yeah. with your ads, with your, your naming of things, like what location is this going out to? What market is it serving? And how will that be received? A hundred percent. But yes, we have an ongoing in terms of there's almost a definite alternative replacement for the word master in almost any use case. Um, mm -hmm. My personal minor thing, not minor, but I'm exploring a to find a replacement word for the word master class. Yeah. And the reason is one, there's a literal brand of a company named Masterclass, like they've actually mm -hmm. unnamed that. Yeah. And it, it's fascinating because what that implies is everyone on their course is in the, the way they're putting it is a master of their craft, mm -hmm. you know? And they're not just representing one type of person. They have a wide variety of people on their delivering courses. Yeah. But the reason I think masterclass is such an interesting word is because sound-wise and length-wise, there aren't replacements that fit it, like workshop or lecture, or it doesn't have the same. So yeah, that's one with the same zing, the same. And it is, this is solely a marketing, um, not even, not a conundrum, just a marketing toy is it's not to remove from the reason of not using master but it is when you're writing copy and you're trying to have a sentence flow and sound well out loud and have the same meaning because when people hear the word lecture they imagine something different yeah same yeah. with workshop you imagine like a group of people you imagine something different so it's an interesting one um any other words you want to pull out from what we've we've researched within the dictionary? There's one other thing that I found really interesting, and it's see, the more you research inclusive language, the more you realize it's so nuanced. And there's even times where you'll think there's a word that's inclusive, but actually you can't use it in every single scenario. Like I remember researching Native Americans because I especially like taught upgrown um through history was taught that Native American that's like that's the that's the proper way of saying referring to that community but then in research some people supposedly again from the research I found prefer Indians actually some communities prefer to be known by specific tribes there's not you can't always just use one term and apply it to everyone sometimes it's more nuanced than that people with disabilities I think is another one that mm. not every single time it's going to be the same like I I always stick to people with disabilities because that's my personal preference of someone who doesn't have any disability and I, that's what I feel most comfortable with but there are people out there that still prefer to be called a disabled person mm -hmm. so it's it's not always a one case fits all scenario even if it is quote-unquote an inclusive term there is still a layer of nuance and doing your own research and figuring out the community you're talking to specifically. Mm -hmm. And that's so important when it comes to marketing and targeting different segments. Like when you're targeting America, I think something we noticed as well in our research, when we were looking at inclusive language for the UK, 
there were very specific things that we know, like black, Asian, and even when they talk about Asian in the UK, they specifically really mean South Asian, but there's no separation. Mm -hmm. Whereas when you talk about Asian in America, you mean East. And when I say mean, I it's what you can infer from the imagery they use. And similarly with Native American, that's a word the language has been shifting where people are specifically talking about their tribes and or I've heard people use indigenous um, mm -hmm. because there is, and I don't know if this is a preference or movement, is something I, I think I would love to um, speak to an American who's from that culture about it. What is the, the, the tone or what is the, original reference that wasn't westernized because that's another element yes. of it what is the original term that they're probably the community's probably trying to reintroduce and make yeah. it the new normal term versus what's been westernized um there's so many layers there. and this is why we are building a software to help with this because it changes even for us in our day-to-day -day. we are testing the include language checker internally and using it with clients and kind of updating different aspects of who they're targeting, what audience they're looking at and trying to keep ourselves up to date because things change so quickly. The word I tend to use to kind of show the change for people is I don't know, Jade, you might be too young for this. I'm, I'm being slightly ageist here, but tell me if you know the word fat as in P-H-A-T. I know of it. Oh, gosh. So anyone <laughs> who was around in the 90s, you know, a little bit, remember how that was like the trendiest word ever. And now I don't even know if I have ever, I've seen it anywhere. I don't even know if it's still a brand. And now when someone says fat, they mean F-A-T, not P-H-A-T. Mm -hmm. And then there's a whole movement now of people reclaiming the word fat and meaning it and saying that and how they refer to themselves yeah times things change with the times and the other word i like to show people is like before 2020 would any of us had known how to pronounce covid no that's a good point we would have been calling it covered kivid or we would have just been saying because it's, it's normally spelt in all capitals as well. Probably C O V I D, C O V I D, yeah, yeah, yeah. is the way. But we were all indoctrinated into using that word during a time period, and now it's been that become normal. It's become, and that's the kind of situation with inclusive language. It is this constant growing and moving and multi nuanced element. Um, yeah. It's so fascinating. One of the final things I would mean, I'm going to go back to is you mentioned the difference between when referring to disabled community, person with disability versus disabled person. Uh -huh. And I find that one really interesting. And I think the way an organization use it depends on the context, which is always, always context that matters. But when partnering or when directly working with a disabled person or a disabled community, I think use the language they use to refer to themselves. Yes. 
Yes. I think that's that's the rule that goes above all the other rules. Whatever the person tells you, and I think that can apply to a lot of communities. However, they tell mm-hmm. you they want to be described as community and or person, use that. Pronouns, race, yes. blah, 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 blah. Um, there's a slight caveat to that. If their descriptor is an offensive word, you may not want that link to your brand. Chances are very slim that it would be. Um, then second to that, I think it's multi-nuanced when it comes to disabilities because the argument within the community, and I am a person with dyslexia, I am not do not have a physical disability, I am not representing the disabled community, is something I have witnessed where people who refer to themselves as their disability, like I am dyslexic, are saying they don't want to be labeled as a person with disabilities so therefore i am a person with dyslexia because it remove it makes it sound like you can remove the thing so it makes Mm. it sound like one day i will be a person without dyslexia yes and that will never happen for me and that's how i see it so there are people who are saying when you put the width you're adding separation and sometimes it can make it nice and comfortable for non-disabled people to put the width because it's like oh no i'm treating you as a human i'm not treating you as your disability but sometimes the two are so intertwined it's it's an interesting one and, and like i said it's an ongoing debate within communities and within especially within inclusive design as well how to mm-hmm. phrase that when you're talking about your customers and when you're talking about your target audience. But when someone was explaining it to me, the way I understood it was, it's kind of like when people say, oh no, I don't see race or I don't see gender. It's like, no, you do. Yeah. You can't remove that. Yeah. And that might yeah, be the difference sense. in between visible and non-visible disabilities yeah it's a good point it's an interesting one but from a marketing perspective i think number one rule go with how they describe themselves number two rule be prepared to be corrected yes that's a good one Mm. and then number three is just inclusive language is constantly changing so it's okay just be prepared to be corrected and update as needed. Yeah. So many layers. To it. We're probably going to do another episode on this because we didn't speak about, we spoke about crazy, but we didn't speak about some other, like we could just probably do a top five on disabled terms that have become normalized. Yeah. Oh gosh. Ableism. That is the, of all the sections within our inclusive language dictionary, I think language that is ableist and become normalized is probably the biggest one for me where and it's used so much in marketing the others are kind of like intentionally used like gender stuff they're probably like if you're calling people guys or huns in your marketing campaign you made an active thought about it yeah but ableist stuff but anywho's (laughs) (laughs) Um, quick note I've mentioned it quite a few times but 
Within Include AI, inclusive clues for marketers platform that we're building, um, our users get access to our inclusive language dictionary, like the words in there, they get to see it. So if you want access, make sure you sign up to our wait list. Jade, where can the people find you on the internet? Very easy. I'm on LinkedIn, literally at Jade Pet. Easy. It'll be linked in the show notes. Um, and thank you for joining myself. I am Joanne Boyce. That is J-O-Y-A-N-N-B-O-Y-C-E. You can find me at Joanne Boyce all over the internet. All the links mentioned will be in the show notes. And tune in next week for us talking about all things inclusive marketing. <laughs>